Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Booming Book Club. I can't believe we're on episode 5 already. It simultaneously feels like I've recorded loads and also none at the same time. I swear I'm still getting used to using the editing software that I'm having to use. Because each time I come to do it I seem to have forgotten how to use it. So it's not great but I think we're slowly getting there. Hopefully next term we'll actually be able to record in a studio and who knows maybe one day I'll even figure out how to put music into my show but at the moment I'm too scared of getting copyrighted. So the book for this week is Mrs Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. I'm sure all of you will have heard of this book, it's incredibly famous and I think it is potentially one of her most well-known books. Um, So it was written in I think 1925, set in 1923. So obviously the shadow of the First World War is looming over them. Um, So it's about a fictional high society woman in post-war England and the novel is, as I've said, heavily impacted by World War One and every character is facing some semblance of trauma. So I first read this book for my degree as part of our modernist unit. So the other works in this unit were, I think, Ulysses, some World War One poetry, things fall apart I want to say I can't remember what else but this was I would say aside from the poetry this was probably my favourite text in the unit so because I did read it for my degree I feel like my view of it might be slightly tainted because I read it in quite a rush as I was doing an essay on it so I think I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have done if it was something I was reading for pleasure or even just for my course on a normal day rather than writing an essay on it because for my essay I actually compared it with Judy Obscure by Thomas Hardy which I think I've spoken about quite a few times on this show it ends up being a pretty good book to compare with because it has the tragic suicide of uh, the children in it Um, so it's interesting in comparison with this book as Septimus one of the characters also kills himself which is interesting in a sense as well because the Obscure was written quite a long time before this so it's a sort of how the two different societies handle mental illness but also simultaneously both of these societies despite how far apart they are in time still manage to mess it up and we can see in Mrs Dalloway that the respect and um, taboo of mental health is really not improved which is rather distressing but at least now it's slowly improving I hope so I will give a short summary of the novel it is a very short book I think it's about 170 pages if that so I think it is technically classed as a novella so it's quite quick read however because it's so it's based on one day so it's a circadian novel everything is in a lot of detail because obviously it only covers 24 hours and it also has flashbacks So we discover more about the characters' lives and what their life was like before this day. So it does make it feel a lot longer than it actually is, as well as there being no chapters. So it doesn't block it up in the same way a normal book is, which has sort of natural, um, like, breaks and things, I suppose. So this summary is off Wikipedia. Um, Disappointing, I know. I swear so many teachers tell us not to use it, but it's genuinely not even that bad. Like... I'm pretty sure the information on Wikipedia gets checked out anyway, so I don't know what they meant. But without further ado, this is what Mrs. Dalloway is about. 
Clarissa Dalloway goes around London in the morning, getting ready to host a party that evening. The nice day reminds her of her youth spent in the countryside in Borton and makes her wonder about her choice of husband. She married the reliable Richard Dalloway, instead of the enigmatic and demanding Peter Walsh, and she had not the option to be with a close female friend, Sally Seaton. Peter reintroduces these conflicts by paying a visit that morning. Septimus Warren Smith, a First World War veteran suffering from deferred traumatic stress, which we now recognise as PTSD, spends his day in the park with his Italian-born wife, Lucrezia, where Peter Walsh observes them. Septimus is visited by frequent and indecipherable hallucinations, mostly concerning his dear friend Evans, who died in the war. Later that day, after his prescribed involuntary commitment to a psychiatric hospital, he commits suicide by jumping out of a window. Clarissa's party in the evening is a slow success. It is attended by most of the characters she has met throughout the book, including people from her past. She hears about Septimus's suicide at the party and gradually comes to admire the stranger's act, which she considers an effort to preserve the purity of his happiness. So from this summary, you can begin to get a taste of the themes that are addressed in the novel, which are, you know, class, mental health, and gender to an extent, um, as we see the women of the book more suppressing their mental health, which is something that's sort of been reversed now, I think, because the soldiers on the front line, obviously it was almost expected that they'd face repercussions to the trauma they witnessed, whereas because the women were just, I say just at home, because they weren't on the front line, I don't think the trauma they recognised is being taken as seriously because just because they weren't killing people, but they in themselves obviously had a horrible time during the war, you know, worrying about their family, trying to keep everything together at home, being part of the land army, and actually I'm not sure if that was World War One or World War Two, but either way, they still had a lot to do with it, so I really don't think it's unfair. Sorry, I really don't think it's fair for people to diminish their mental health just as much as throughout the book. We do sort of see Clarissa battling with this as she keeps trying to make party after party in a bid to almost distract herself from the suffering she's really encountering because her sister is killed by a falling tree when she's very young. So from a young age, she has been confronted with tragedy. So I think it immediately makes her predisposed to just trying to distract herself for the rest of her life. So my guest today will be my lovely flatmate Tallulah, who is studying English literature and history, um, obviously at the Uni of Edinburgh. Um, and she wrote her essay on this book as well, so it'll be interesting to get a different perspective, as I think we both wrote about different questions on it. And I think she had some knowledge of the book before, because for me personally, I've never read any other books by Virginia Woolf, but I'm pretty sure she has. But this is the one I'd mainly heard of. I think my grandma's read it as well, and quite a few other people I know, so... It's always nice to read a well-known book, and... I always find it kind of sad when you read a well-known book, but you don't actually enjoy it that much. But with this one, it was just... I would say it was a mediocre book. Like, it, it, it was good, but it wasn't great. I think, because I've been reading a lot of fast-paced uh, fantasy books recently, this was vastly different to that, so it was a very much a change of pace and very much altered my perception of the narrative at points. 
Without further ado, we will now be joined with Tallulah. Okay, so I'm now joined by my flatmate Tallulah, who I think read Mrs. Dalloway before me. When did you read it for the first time? I actually didn't read it um, until uni, it turned out. Because a lot of my friends did it at school in a different English class. Oh, okay. Was that for GCSE or A-level? It was at A-level. Yeah, I would say. I think it's quite a difficult text to do at GCSE because it's... Yeah, definitely, because of, like, the stream of consciousness and everything. Yeah, I think the way all the characters are intertwined, it's kind of hard to get your head around. Like, I still couldn't name that many characters because there's so many. Yeah, yeah. So did you enjoy the book when you read it? I think I enjoyed it for what it was. It's not... I mean, I do quite like the stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. like getting into each character's head and just like the kind of psychological nature of it Mm -hmm. but obviously it's not very plot heavy so yeah it's interesting so obviously only it reaches the span of one day um not that much can happen yeah but i guess more of the action is finding out about the character's past rather than the actual present day it's actually quite impressive how much she manages to get in the yeah because it's only like 170 pages yeah. if that so and considering it's just in one day like the span of everything that she covers is quite well i mean in ulysses that's one day and he manages to do <laughs> like 800 pages i've seen a lot of people comparing this with ulysses because it's a similar like yeah stream of consciousness but this is clearly a lot more accessible yeah definitely and shorter I think Ulysses is just a bit extreme. Yeah, if you want to get into that, maybe t- read Mrs. Dalloway's and start yeah. getting into like modernism. I don't know. Like I did like it, but I didn't love it. I would say yeah, like I it was. Think I agree. If I spent more time studying it and properly understanding it, I think I'd appreciate it more. Yeah. But on a base level, I mean, I should have a better understanding than a base level because I wrote an essay on it. Same. But yeah, what was your essay question? It was, I think, uh, on the role of time in the Oh, uh, that's quite good, because you've got Big Ben yeah, and doing his thing. Yeah, Big Ben interrupting the narrative throughout. Yeah, so Big Ben acts as, like, a yeah. symbol for the patriarchy, I guess. And then you've got the war as well. Yeah, the war and all its effects. So is it 1924 or 1925? It was written in 25, I think. Yeah. it's set in 23. I think I made a mistake with my essay question because mine was about race, class and gender. Class and gender were fine to address. Class was difficult, actually, because they're all of the same class. But race is just not addressed at all. I mean, it talks about, like, kind of outdated, like, structures of empire. Yeah, exactly. But race is not talked about and well for our essays anyway you have such limited words to talk about two novels it's just ridiculous um but do you have a favorite character i was thinking about this and i don't know if i do have i honestly think it's hard because it's so short exactly it's short and while you get into insight into each character and it goes into all their heads i think that kind of makes it harder to pick a favorite because you like, see the yeah. like good sides and bad sides. I also don't think any of the characters are particularly likeable. No, I quite like, I cannot remember her name, but I like Clarissa's daughter. Elizabeth? Yeah, I, I think, think so, because yeah. she stands up for the German woman who like, people are mean to. I quite to. like the German woman as well. Yeah. Um, um, she's kind of sassy, which I like. I, I do also quite like Clarissa. I know she's very flawed, but yeah. she knows what she wants and... 
she's not afraid to like annoy people I think mm, yeah I don't know like what Clarissa really represents yeah it's but... hard to know what was actually true and what was not I would say she could be a bit of an unreliable narrator at times maybe. yeah yeah um, Peter really annoyed me yeah. Just because Clarissa rejected her yeah. however many years ago. Reje- rejected him, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And, like, it's just strange to see how he kind of trivialised. Like, when yeah. you see Septimus and his wife... Who are so scathing and just yeah. quick to judge. But then I suppose Clarissa definitely does that as well. Trivial- trivialises things. Yeah. She sees, I think. Do you have a favourite part of the book? Hmm, that's tricky. I think, again, the kind of, like, structure of it being set in one day is kind of hard because it's not that plot-heavy to pick a favourite part. Mm-hmm. But, hmm, I think, well, this sounds quite morbid, but I guess <laughs> the suicide... I, I know what you mean. It's kind of is, funny. Yeah. Oh! Oh! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I, it, <laughs> I, it, it all happens very suddenly. It's probably, like, the most sense of, like, immediacy that you feel. Yeah in the whole yeah. book because it's like you see it all happening as <laughs> like I know it's not meant no, to be funny it's just I know it's jarring yeah <laughs> and like I, I know what you mean because like he looks at the knife and he's like mentions that it says bread on it yeah <laughs> things like that I think it's meant to be quite sort of mm. he's just thinking it out as it yeah. happens and like I think my favourite bit is right at the beginning when that car that allegedly has I, the Queen in it. That, yeah, because yeah. it's just so bizarre, everybody's different interpretations. It's yeah. like, I remember at Brownies, we always used to play Chinese Whispers. Yeah. And it felt a bit like that. Like, everybody had a different interpretation of events. Yeah. And then people look in the sky and it says fudge because an aeroplane's yeah. flown over. And that's really, like, that really goes into everyone's kind of... Um, mindset like mm. in perspective it's not just the main characters you really get a sense of like people in general sort it, of. it is quite a funny novel at times yeah well, it's not a novel is it, it but... does have like some humor there which have you I read might not expect. any of her other i've read to the lighthouse which i think was written after mrs dalloway was that humorous i wouldn't say that was so humorous that again like was not heavy on the plot it really <laughs> focused on like interior kind of speculation yeah and subjective thought and stuff did Dalloway do any research on like psychology and stuff I'm wondering that I think I feel like she, she might have done probably, it like, like uni, I think but... she kind of made a point of listening listening to her own thoughts as research yeah like that. because you can see when you're reading it it's very like I don't know about you, but when I was reading Mrs. Dalloway, like, there'd be bits and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I've thought that before and I hadn't thought that anyone else had thought that. But you see it written down and you're like, yeah, that's that's just one thought that I had one time. So I've seen a lot of people say that Clarissa is meant to be an embodiment of Dalloway. Interesting, that. Would you agree with that or...? I don't know. I mean, I think any time, like, seeing characters... Or seeing authors like with similarities in yeah. the characters is kind of like strange to think about. I think it's kind I, of dangerous to assume one hundred percent either way. Yeah, I would agree. And her kind of her reaction to Septimus's suicide as well. 
mm. kind of makes me think maybe not so much because she's very much kind of like she's irritated by it yeah she has such a strange reaction just because it disturbs her party but i can see why people would say that Mm. um so you first heard about the book from your friends doing it at a level do you think they enjoyed it i don't know if you can remember i think the unit was women in literature oh classic yeah um, while I was doing dystopia, reading like 1984 and stuff. <laughs> but um, I think they did enjoy it. And also, like, the, because at A-level, you have to do a lot of research into, like, context around the book and stuff. Yeah. So, like, finding out more about Virginia Woolf and, like, um, her relationship with Peter's, like, Bill West and stuff like that, mm. which is, like, obviously the Sally scene in the book, like, the... Um, gay undertones. So do you think Clarissa <laughs> is a closeted lesbian? I think it's hard to kind of look back at, an, at a different time. Yeah. Um, and like, like with stuff like that, and it's the same with mental illness, not that mental illness is like comparable to society, <laughs> but you know what I mean, like mm. modern conceptions of that kind of thing. But like, she's definitely queer in some kind of way yeah she describes it as like the most exquisite she describes her kiss as the most exquisite moment of her life yeah like when she compares it to her husband and peter it's like ridiculous how disparaging she is towards them it's interesting to read that in a book from like the 20s yeah because there aren't many novels i would say from that time that depict it i think was wolf herself bisexual um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I'm you can sure. see how people interpret Clarissa as an embodiment of yeah. Wolf herself. So obviously one of the main themes in the book is mental illness and how it's treated and the medication they undergo. What do you think about the presentation of it in the book? I think that Wolf covers a lot um, about it because like, if you think about Septimus mm-hmm. and his repression of his emotions during the war and like his mental illness is kind of presented as associated with the war because it's mm-hmm. like PTSD so kind of associating war with mental illness it kind of shows the far-reaching effects of both and how it's the impact of the war afterwards I mean Obviously, mental illness wasn't just caused by the war itself. Mm-hmm. But um, I think also um, the presentation of, like, the treatment that he receives and the reception of his mental illness, mm-hmm. both, like, by doctors and by his wife and by Clarissa at the party afterwards, is, like, really interesting to see all of that because, obviously, the treatment that he gets from doctors is just abysmal and the lack of understanding yeah, it's like, is oh, there. you just need a good rest and then you'll yeah. be fine and it, he's so dismissive the doctor mm. is like i found them quite scary to read i felt not attacked that's not the right word but i felt no, yeah. kind of vulnerable it's reading quite it tense and just horrible mm-hmm. to, it's horrible to read because really. his wife clearly just doesn't know how best to help him yeah um because she's from this little village in Italy or yeah. something, and she just likes to make hats. Yeah, and then... literally. She's... It's really sad. I think she might be my favourite character, actually. Yeah, I can see that. Because she just tries to do 
she really tries what's best yeah. you know it's hard i think it's interesting seeing this oh, i think two extremes isn't the right phrase but obviously septimus has ptsd and stuff like that but clarissa also has a lot of psychological issues yeah. so it's interesting seeing how even the people that stayed at home during the war still have such yeah. vast psychological effects yeah, like that last their whole lives everybody, even if you don't necessarily see it firsthand like if you just hear about it at a party or something. Mm-hmm. like obviously uh septimus has the delayed response i think yeah. at the point that we see clarissa she might still be in the delayed response mm. to the trauma yeah, um, and just that lack of understanding. There's no way of really recognizing what's yeah. wrong with you. Like I don't think PTSD became a term till like the 1980s or something. Yeah, early. it was really not well recognized, and I think as well. I don't know for certain, but because Clarissa is so high class and she's a woman, yeah. and she didn't face the war like on the front lines. I yeah. feel like her psychological troubles would just be dismissed straight away. Yeah. And so there's not an alleged like reason, so yeah. to speak, for them. And to think that Virginia Woolf struggled with mental illness. Because she committed, like, committed suicide, suicide, didn't she? Yeah. Well, people, I've seen some critics saying we shouldn't think about that when reading the book, but you can't help it because we know yeah. what happened. So I think she yeah. drowned herself, didn't she? Yeah, and obviously that happened after um, writing the book. Yeah. But. She still suffered mental illness like throughout her life. So, was there a suicide in the other book you've read? Oh, I, I feel like she has a lot of suicides in her works. But I think she did attempt to jump out the window like Septimus does oh. as well. But I'm not sure when that happened. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, what do you think about the presentation of class in the book? It's difficult. Yeah. Because it's literally one class that's presented. I think the only time we see other classes is like at the beginning, how we were saying with the car yeah. that allegedly has the queen in it. And I suppose the relationship between um, Clarissa and is it Miss oh, Kilman, the German yeah. woman, is quite interesting because they both hate each other. She's so horrible to her. Or is it more because she's unmarried than because she's all yeah. lower class? This is the question. This is interesting how they're kind of tied together because, like, they make a point in the book of how she dresses, like, in a Macintosh coat or something <laughs> and how, like, she doesn't try to impress people. Yeah. It's very much the opposite of that. Like, In a way, people. the German lady represents everything Clarissa perhaps wishes that she could be because yeah, Clarissa's forced to conform to this very strict ideal of a woman yeah. being in the upper class. Yeah. I think um, she says, like, in another life she would like her, mm-hmm. the woman, but she doesn't. And maybe that does stem from some kind of envy. Yeah. Obviously, Clarissa's very privileged, but I do feel really sorry for her. Yeah, she is limited in... Like, yeah, she's so restricted. I think she becomes so obsessed over having good parties and maintaining yes. her reputation just as a distraction from her own trauma. Because I see her husband yeah. fought in the war. Um, yeah. And I think it mentioned something about a sister that she has. Oh, because her sister dies, isn't she, yeah, by a so falling tree? Yeah, that, that's it. So, that so again, that's another trauma that she didn't address. So we've got that before the war was even a thing really yeah and i think her like 
she sees her parties as kind of an offering to everyone and I think she's so um like preoccupied with social class Mm -hmm. and everything so it's definitely very present but also like I think that Wolf does kind of show that it's an outdated system definitely like she represents that through like all the most high high class characters like Hugh Whitbread and and even the prime mm. minister comes to her party but yeah like he's just an ordinary guy. It's like, so bizarre because she criticizes every single character. I think she's quite careful not to like favor anybody. Yeah, I think that's true. So it's interesting because I, I don't know what kind of class Wolf was herself. Um, yeah, I think she was quite well off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like Overall, what do you think Wolf is like trying to say in the novella? Like, if there was one message or like, you know, yeah. how fables have a moral. Yeah. Basically, don't be rich. You'll be <laughs> sad anyway. <laughs> I think, yeah, I did see something that she wrote, which was about how she was trying to criticise, like, the social structure and, mm-hmm. and society in general. So I think that is definitely there. Like, there's an attack on just all those outdated um, structures in society. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I guess that goes along with modernism as well. Like Definitely, it's very much a modernist. Just, yeah. Um, but also, like, the prevalence of mental illness in the book. It's quite I progressive think, in a way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because that has, like, a big role in the text in terms of what she's criticising about society. Yeah, because Clarissa and uh, Septimus are definitely the main focus of the novel, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And what do you think about them being, like, doubles? It's interesting, because they're so similar, but so different. When I saw that, honestly, I didn't immediately think it. I had to kind of wrap my head around the thought. I'm still not sure what I think. Yeah. I should have written about that in my essay. I'm just not realising. After I wrote wrote an essay, after I wrote my essay, there was so much. I was like, why did I leave that in and not put that in? I think because my uh, English tutor said when we had our tutorial on Mrs. Dalloway that you could write a whole PhD just on Mrs. Dalloway. Yeah, exactly. Because every page is so packed full of stuff. <laughs> um, you could literally analyse every single exactly. word. It's hard to which is so hard word. to do in like a 2,000 word yeah. essay. Definitely. Um, so did you find the descriptions of chaotic London streets to be funny? I did think that they were quite funny, yeah, because like it can provide such a contrast to the introspective tone of like most of the characters mm-hmm. and like the narration. And I think a lot of people would have stopped reading the book if she hadn't had these sort of pockets of yeah, humour and lightheartedness. Yeah. Definitely. Because I think she includes some like anecdotes from their past as well that are more lighthearted and humorous. 
Yeah, and just, yeah, definitely like that mixture of the past and then the present. Mm -hmm. Like when Peter stalks that girl. Yeah, it's very it's strange. Creepy. Peter's yeah. just bizarre. My tutor mentioned that in the tutorial and was like, I found this sweet when I first sweet. read it. And then she was like, and now I reread it and I realised just how creepy it really oh, was. Oh, that's good. <laughs> how did she ever yeah. think that sweet? I don't know. Like, but it is quite funny. I mean, from the minute... Peter is first described in the book, I was like, nah, not yeah. about this guy. It just seemed a bit desperate, like him coming to our house unannounced. What did you think about the pocket knife? Like, so irritating. Yeah. Even though I couldn't see it, it's just like, it's like how yeah. I crack my knuckles. Yeah. I think it's effective to see that very, like, little habit. Yeah. Know? And also Clarissa is described as like an eye for herself, which is quite mm -hmm. interesting that he holds a knife and she has They're all associated with violence then to an extent. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, which I guess shows how much the war is such a big part yeah. of their lives. Definitely. Uh, so... Do you think the London in the book is similar to the modern London that you know yeah. and live in? This is interesting because, I mean, I guess there are quite a few books that are set in London, but it's quite nice when you're reading a book and you can see, like, certain places. Did you recognise places? Yeah, I did recognise certain places, but I think it is... I've got to say, I wasn't imagining the London <laughs> that I know yeah. when I was reading it. I was imagining... I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question I don't know what I was imagining do you have kind of like a mind's eye this is kind of a bit tangential but no yeah definitely things when you're reading I think I was visualising it way too back in the past like I was imagining like dirt yeah. roads and that's like horse and carriages yeah. which was just not the case yeah like projecting some kind of past onto mm -hmm. it but you don't know how similar it would actually be more like pole dark kind like, of old yeah <laughs> that's like when people say the olden days and it's like what yeah. do you mean by that but yeah do you think there is still a very big class divide in London, like there is in this book? Ooh, that's a good that's question. It's a very loaded question, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, we can unpack that. There's <laughs> a lot there. I think um, there is, undoubtedly, mm -hmm. some, like it's easy to say, uh, you know, cities are so kind of, like, diverse and like... I think London's quite an extreme version of the class divide. Cause... Yeah, like when you see, like there are plenty of streets that you walk on and on one side of the street there's like, you know, some kind of estate and on the other side it's like really fancy houses. Well, it's a bit like Edinburgh, like isn't it? representation, yeah. Because you've got the neat town and the old town and the levels yeah. of homelessness here are just awful. Yeah, definitely. There's, yeah, homelessness is just... Like, yeah, it's such an affluent city. Yeah. Um... I also find it interesting to think about what the characters in the book would be like now. Yeah. Um, I feel like Clarissa would be an influencer. Ooh, yeah. So I, I guess that's kind of the equivalent. People. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. Like, like what would, I suppose, like Hugh Whitbread, is that his name? He'd be just sure. like a politician. And her husband. Yeah. He'd, they'd probably just still be politicians, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, <laughs> she'd definitely be all over Instagram. Yeah, surprise. whereas Peter, like, he goes to India, he's involved in the empire. Like, what would he yeah. Because I, I think it's quite... Maybe in the army? ...how a lot of his endeavours have failed in life. And it... Literally all of them. <laughs> he's such a try-hard, and then everything yeah. just goes wrong for him. I know. 
Did you feel any empathy for... Who did you feel most empathy for? Probably Septimus and his yeah, wife. that makes sense. Um, I don't know if they were truly in love or not. Because the way they described their marriage, it seemed very organised and, like, everything slotted into yeah. place. Yeah. It is nice getting those moments, though, of, like, when they were making their hats. Yeah, I really liked reading the descriptions of her with her family in Italy. And it's so weird to know, like, that it's all set in a day, and yet Septimus can have these highs and lows, and yet... Oh, that's such a good point. suicide when the doctor comes. Yeah. Like, and he says, like, life, he doesn't want to die, that life is good and things, so... That just shows how awful the treatment that was available Mm. was. I think it makes the book feel a lot longer because it has so many flashbacks. Yeah. At points I sort of forgot it was all the same day. Yeah. It is really crazy, like, how much she manages to fit in. Like, it's like a full Yeah, like reading Ulysses set in one day. Yeah. It felt like it was about 100 how years. How is that possible? Yeah. yeah. How long is it? Like, almost 700 and something? So 100, nearly 800 pages, yeah, I think. Is. Wow. I mean, you can see the signs about my bookshelf. Oh, yeah. There it is, English Lit Student. Uh, the worst thing was, we only then studied like three chapters of yeah. it. If we have to do it next year, I will be so sad. Well, I suppose we have more freedom then, so you can I hope so. Own. Like, it I can cool. cope with Mrs. Dalloway, but yeah. some modernist literature is just yeah. so I was dry. Say, how keen are you on modernism? Like, I mean, it's not my favourite, but I'll, I'll read it. I feel like I've not read yeah. that much of it. I think, um, yeah. I really like the kind of free and direct style. Yeah, same. And it's like, it's cool to see uh, Virginia Woolf do it because that's what I love about Jane Austen, you know. Yeah. And so to see that like developed in a modernist style is really like, that's what I like probably most about the book. Mm -hmm. Have you read The Yellow Wallpaper? No, I haven't. It reminds me a bit of that in terms of the presentation of mental illness. And I mean, that The Yellow Wallpaper was about, 20 years before I want to say but you can see how Wolf has kind of derived from that Um, and I've seen a lot of people recommending the yellow wallpaper if you've read and enjoyed um, Miss Dalloway but that kind of it's only a short story isn't it yeah it's really short it's like 80 pages Um, but that flips it on its head because in the yellow wallpaper it's the wife that's like mentally unstable and the husband that keeps her cool Uh, you know yeah, that would be interesting to read, like. Do you know when it was written? I want to say 1890-something. Mm. Um, I think it would be interesting to compare these two yeah, books. definitely to compare them. I'm keen to kind of look at older representations of mental illness as well, because I think it's interesting. It's quite harrowing in Yeah, it places. is, and to compare it to today and see, like, what has changed and what hasn't. Yeah, that is a point. Yeah. It is quite harrowing. <laughs> it's definitely scarier to see what hasn't changed. Yeah. It's like after all these years, how is there still such a stigma? Yeah, definitely. Surrounding it. And people's reactions, yeah, exactly, just remain the same often. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for coming on the oh, show thank today. You. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been lovely and convenient yeah. because yeah. you're next door to me. Lovely. Yeah, great. Thank you, thank very, you much. very much. So thank you very much again to Leela for coming on today. It's always nice to have a guest. And the last guest of this, I guess we could call it a season, 
because next time I will be in year three, which is very scary, but we don't need to think about that now. <laughs> so I will now have a little chat about um, sort of the context of the book and other bits and pieces in a bit more detail. So as I've already said, the book was written over the span of one day, which means it's called a circadian novel. In, in a way, this makes it kind of cyclical because it's just like morning to morning, the book almost ends in the same place that it started, because um, it ends at the same point in the day. So this means that it's able to go into incredible detail and Wolf almost blurs the distinction between direct and indirect speech through the narrative, I think, to try and capture what people suffering from mental illness like Septimus and Clarissa are actually going through as their brains appear to be somewhat muddled through no fault of their own, obviously. Um, this is also captured in the form of the stream of consciousness, which was a very popular thing in the modernist period. And as we discussed with Ulysses, uh, James Joyce did the stream of consciousness. He did the uh, circadian structure of the novel. And as I mentioned in the introduction to this show, Wolf failed to use chapters in the novel. Now, I think for not including chapters, she's trying to capture the sort of chaos of the time period and it makes the book a bit overwhelming in a way because there's a lot of information thrown at you in one go. So I think she's trying to capture the time period where people were trying to sort their lives out after the war ended. Um, so Wolf herself um, helps capture the mental illness through the descriptions, as I said, and she was born into a patriarchal and suppressive Victorian society. And she started writing essays and things, which was highly discouraged for women of her time period. Um, and she actually committed suicide as well, very tragically. She drowned herself, I believe. So she was a, a deeply, deeply troubled woman which I think you can see in her novels is um, obviously Septimus commits suicide in this and apparently Wolf did try to throw herself out of a window once so you can see some parallels and as Lula said earlier she used her own thoughts as the basis for the novel which I think partly might be why it's so successful is because it really does capture people's intrinsic and natural thoughts so it, it's there's a History Boys quote about hand reaching out and taking yours when you read something in a book that you thought was special to you. So I think she creates a sense of community for people suffering from mental health issues and seeing such a prominent, famous author such as herself also going through these. I think it can be comforting in a sense to people suffering from mental health illnesses um, that they too can be successful and that they too can make something of their lives. So I think that is something very important to still remember. I've been wondering if some of the characters are a sort of caricature of people she knew in her own life. Because I don't think the characters are a direct or realistic description of people that she knew. But I think them being a sort of embellished and exaggerated caricature of people in her life could be something that's possible. Because um, she was obviously surrounded by lots of academics and they always create interesting characters. For me personally, I'd be very interested to see what Peter Walsh was like, like, how she came up with his character, because as I said earlier, I just personally find him completely, completely insufferable. Um, 
So I feel sorry for Virginia Woolf if it was somebody that she knew in real life. So I will now look at some of the top quotes from the novel. A lot of these I actually used in my essay, so I suppose it's kind of cheating in a way, but the things I was looking at in my essay sort of summarise the overall themes of the novel and they're just the not the quotes I used are sort of the most famous uh, quotations from the book. So the first quotation is this. Mrs Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. Now this is the opening line of the novel and the feminist undertones of she would buy the flowers herself immediately sets Clarissa out as a doer. Clarissa organises all the parties herself. She often denounces the help of her maids and servants and just wishes to do stuff herself. Now obviously the suffragette movement was beginning at this time and I think Clarissa would have been a part of that. Um, however, the object she's buying being flowers, they are an intrinsically feminine feminine symbol. So the fact that the opening line of the novel associates her with the divine feminine and sort of flowers being fragile, it shows that she always ends up succumbing to the patriarchal society and the expectations of women rather than forging her own way as might be expected through the sort of strong imperatives used in this opening line. So the second quotation is this. Big Ben strikes. There, out it boomed. First a warning, musical, then the hour, irrevocable. Now, throughout the novel, Big Ben acts as an overarching symbol of the patriarchy. It is constantly interrupting Clarissa's thoughts and, as a result, she is unable to define her identity or be progressive in terms of the suffragette movement, as I was saying. Because whenever Big Ben strikes, it's always when Clarissa is pondering, like, oh, what could I do with my life? How am I feeling about this? Like, what impact has the war had? In a way, I guess we could say it prevents her from addressing her trauma and addressing her sad, loveless marriage. Um, and Big Ben obviously is a very tall building that we heard throughout London, so it shows that she's not just the only person being interrupted by this, it's affecting all the women in London and as a society as a whole. The next quotation is this. The throb of the motor engine sounded like a pulse irregularly drumming through an entire body. So this pulse and the drumming, the drumming reminds me of the army in like very militaristic language in a sense. It's like the drumming on the battlefield and the pulse obviously links to the heart and it's as if the war is everywhere, it's in everybody's hearts. No matter if you're a man or a woman or anything. And you can feel the war even in their bodies. So this presents the war as something that's omnipresent and it's just so incredibly powerful. It seems as if it will take a long time for it to... Forgotten isn't the right word, but for it to be something that's easier to live with. And it really has just affected everybody. It is so sad that throughout the novel this is something that is constantly referred to. The next quotation summarises um, Clarissa's feelings for Sally. The purity, the integrity of her feeling for Sally. So as we discussed with Tallulah, Clarissa's feelings for Sally are just unparalleled with any of the men she's loved. For example, Peter and her wife. I think she is not truly in love with her husband, which I believe was 
very common in this time period. People often married for like the illusion of a perfect life and just to satisfy parents or whatever. And again, this is, could be a link to Wolf's own life as we believed her to be bisexual. And it seems as if she feels seen and heard when she is intimate with women as if the men she has strived to love don't truly understand her trauma or her mental health. I'm not sure who said this next quote, but it's very depressing. It says this. It might be possible that the world itself was without meaning. So the war obviously caused a huge decline in mental health for the country as a whole. And I think the large volume of casualties in the First World War meant that people began to question almost the intrinsic purpose of life and the fairness and why so many people were killed. And I think it caused a large um, question of faith and whether or not God was real, if he could let this many people be killed and stuff like this. So I think this quotation really captures the despair of this time and the sort of listless and lost feeling a lot of people were experiencing. So the next few quotations are describing Clarissa and her reputation in society. She so much preferred being left alone to do what she liked in the country, but they would compare her to Lily's and she had to go to parties. So Clarissa feels incredibly pressured to uphold her reputation. As we can see, by she had to go to parties. If she doesn't go to the parties, people are going to assume something is wrong and then her carefully curated facade would just be ruined. So the imagery of the lilies lilies are normally seen as like funeral flowers so it suggests that maybe she too will meet an early death like Septimus's suicide as we said earlier she appears to be jealous and envious of his death because he is able to preserve his happiness and his security by killing himself so I wouldn't be surprised if um Wolf is trying to insinuate this could be Clarissa's fate as well this next quote also refers to Clarissa's relationship with parties. Every time she gave a party, she had a feeling of being something not herself and that everyone was unreal in one way, much more real in another. And I think she perhaps never feels herself because she is married to a man. Sally appears to be the only person she is able to be truly herself around. So I think these... Um, homosexual undertones I guess you could call and getting more intense as the book goes on so I think it crushes Clarissa when Sally shows up at her party because she hasn't seen her for many years so I think seeing her and not being able to be with her must have been extremely distressing for Clarissa another quotation again a very depressing one there was an embrace in death this sad exclamation I think really captures Wolf's state of mind as she found a comfort in death, which Septimus seems to find, as you can't feel the pain anymore. And Clarissa herself obviously seemed to emulate with this quotation. She just doesn't want there to be pain anymore. And I think because she never addresses her trauma, there is no way for her to not feel this pain while she's alive. She'll just keep suffering the same trauma repeatedly. So the final quotation I will look at is... Are we not all prisoners? She had read a wonderful play about a man who had scratched the walls of his cell, and she felt that was true of life, one scratched on the wall. Now, this really reminds me of the yellow wallpaper, as I was discussing with Tallulah. I think this, the yellow wallpaper, which is a short story, could have um, been an inspiration for Mrs. Dalloway. 
because there's a really famous quote from the yellow wallpaper she's crawling around the room because her husband keeps her locked in there and sort of drives her insane it's as if the gens have been switched as i've said earlier so i think it's interesting that that um wolf refers here to one scratch on the wall because that's exactly what happens in the yellow wallpaper so it could be some intertextuality in this novel as clarissa might well have read the yellow wallpaper and she sees herself as the woman in the attic again very similar to austin and jane Eyre, there's always a woman in an attic a trope that's been going on for many years so the uh album i'm recommending for this week is pink floyd's dark side of the moon perhaps unsurprisingly this album always reminds me of my dad in fact he bought me a t-shirt with the album cover on it because i love it so much i think it's a very varied album which is nice i think it captures the di- the distressing mental illness that septimus feels and experiences and it has a wide range of different songs um so we have the songs titled as money and time which capture the simple themes in the novel and i think the cacophony of cash registers at the start of money reflect the importance of money to clarissa and the others in the novel um so i think it would be quite fitting it makes you feel quite surreal which would be an interesting sensation as you're reading this um novel but you don't always have to have something that's from the time period if that makes sense because obviously this wasn't around in the 1920s so overall i would say that i rate this book a three out of five which i think might be my lowest yet and i think that's purely because it is incredibly good but it's just not as good as the other books i've reviewed on this show i would say it's not a bad book by any stretch of the imagination um i think i've just not had time to go in depth as i would like to i think it'd be quite interesting to read a phd on this um and i'm pretty sure it'll be recognized as a classic well i think it is at the moment even and it's definitely fair to say that it's wolf's best ever work so this is the last episode before summer, as I said, and I will hopefully return in September as I enter the third year of my degree, which is just terrifying. I'm actually hoping to do some creative writing in my degree next year, but I don't want to ruin something I currently love. But I suppose doing a degree in English literature hasn't completely ruined reading for me yet, as I'm, I'm running this show after all. But I will still be active on Instagram and I'll be posting what I'm reading and there might even be an odd bonus episode, perhaps once a month over summer or something just to keep me ticking over until september so i hope you have a lovely summer and you manage to keep safe and read lots of amazing amazing books thanks very much now bye